Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 75. Our big Bible question of the day, and it's an important one for this hour, how do you get wisdom? So, hello, my friends. Welcome into this episode of the Bible Reading Podcast. I hope you are all staying safe out there and walking in faith. Today's podcast covers Exodus 26, Proverbs chapter 2, John 5, and Galatians chapter 1. We will have a bit of a short episode today because it is Saturday night as I'm recording this. You'll get it on Sunday. And one wants to be ready for the gathering of believers tomorrow. Speaking of... How are you guys doing church this week? Our church, the church I pastor, Valley Baptist Church in Salinas, and normally I would invite you to join us this Sunday morning, but uh, we had originally decided in sort of an emergency deacons meeting Wednesday night to go ahead with church. Uh, We bought extra sanitizing products, extra touch-free sanitizers. We had a good plan and everything. And honestly, as the days go deeper into this crisis, we realized this morning in sort of an emergency meeting that maybe we should not meet. And uh, it was really kind of a divided, uh, not divided in the sense of lacking unity, but around half of us thought we should meet and half of us thought we shouldn't. And I thought that that was not enough of a quorum to go forward into a risky area. So we decided to do online church. And in that way, I do want to invite you to join us. You can go to our Facebook page, VBC Salinas, or you can just connect with me on Facebook, Chase A. Thompson. Uh, I live in sunny Salinas, California, and you'll be able to see our live broadcast today. I got to tell you, and I mean this, it breaks my heart to not meet together with the believers. Look, I we have been uh, streaming our services online for almost two years now, the church I pastor, and that's great, but it is not a substitute for the body of Christ being together. And you know what? If we have to make do with that for however many weeks we do, that's fine, but I am begging and pleading with the Lord, and I hope you are too, that he would quickly take us through this crisis, that the people of God may be together without fear and worry and that sort of thing. So I hope you're praying for that. I hope you're praying for deliverance and wisdom. I hope you and I both are walking in faith and not fear and also prudent wisdom. Speaking of, that's what our big Bible question of the day is all about. How do we get wisdom? Where does it come from? Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom and whatever else you get, get understanding. The problem is, Wisdom does not come easy, and it is very rare. So let's ask our old friend Charles Spurgeon what he has to say about the topic. And here it is, slightly modernized from one of Spurgeon's sermons. Spurgeon says, Brethren in the ministry, you who are teachers in the Sabbath school, I guess that's Sunday school, and all of you who are learners in the College of Christ Jesus, I pray you remember that prayer is your best means of study. Like Daniel, you will understand the dream and also the interpretation when you have sought after God. And like John, you will see the seven seals of precious truth unloosed after you have cried out much. Yes, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your 
your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And that is Spurgeon, of course, quoting from our passage today in Proverbs chapter 2. Stones are not broken except by an earnest use of the hammer, and the stone breaker usually goes down on his knees. Use the hammer of diligence and let the knee of prayer be exercised too, and there is not a stony doctrine in Revelation which is useful for you to understand, which will not fly into shivers under the exercise of prayer and faith. Bine orase est bine studuise was a wise sentence of Luther, which has been so often quoted that we hardly venture but to hint at it. To have prayed well is to have studied well. I'm going to say that again in case you missed the Latin. To have prayed well is to have studied well. You may force your way, says Spurgeon, through anything with the leverage of prayers. Thoughts and reasonings may be like the steel wedges which may open a way into truth, but prayer is the lever, the pry bar which forces open the iron chest of sacred mystery that we may get the treasure that is hidden inside for those who can force their way to reach it. The kingdom of heaven still suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Take care that you work away with the mighty implement of prayer and nothing can stand against you. That is fantastic wisdom from Spurgeon on acquiring wisdom. And to Spurgeon's excellent word about praying for wisdom, I would add John Piper's powerful truth that heavenly wisdom must happen in the context of the community of Jesus, the church. It doesn't come to us in a solo sort of monk-in-the-desert kind of pursuit. This is what Piper says about that. It would be a wrong conclusion to say that all we need in order to get wisdom is a solitary life of serious prayer, just as us, just us and God in prayer. Wisdom in the New Testament does not ordinarily come like that. Listen to these verses from James three thirteen through 15 Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Piper says, Wisdom is marked by meekness and freedom from selfish ambition and freedom from bitter jealousy and freedom from boasting. In other words, wisdom rises in relationships of meekness and humility and love and servanthood rather than jealousy and selfishness. Wisdom is not a solitary attainment. It is a community or corporate or a relational attainment. Loners are not wise. Wisdom is given and found and forged in the fires of committed relationships relationships. So, two powerful words today for us from Spurgeon and Piper on acquiring wisdom. Seek it in the people of God, in the community of God, and seek it with diligent prayer as you pour over the scriptures. God will not hide his deep truths from those who search them out like a king looking for treasure with prayer and persistence. Now, let's read our passages today. Exodus chapter 26, verse 1, you are to construct the tabernacle itself with tin curtains. You may make them of finely spun linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with a design of cherubim worked into them. Each curtain should be 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. All the curtains are to have the same measurements. Five of the curtains should be joined together and the other five curtains joined together. 
Make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the last curtain in the first set and do the same on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Make 50 loops on the one curtain and make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set so that the loops line up together. Also make 50 gold clasps and join the curtains together with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single unit. You are to make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Make 11 of these curtains. Each curtain should be 45 feet long and six feet wide. All eleven curtains are to have the same measurements. Join five of the curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves. Then fold the sixth curtain double at the front of the tent. Make fifty loops on the edge of one curtain, the outermost in the first set, and make fifty loops on the edge of the corresponding curtain of the second set. Make fifty bronze clasps, put the clasps through the loops, and join the tent together so that it is a single unit. As for the flap that remains from the tent curtains, the leftover half curtain is to hang over the back of the tabernacle. What remains along the length of the tent curtains, a half yard on one side and a half yard on the other side, should hang over the sides of the tabernacle on either side to cover it. Make a covering for the tent from ram skins dyed red and a covering of fine leather on top of that. You are to make upright supports of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each support is to be 15 feet long and 27 inches wide. Each support will have two tenons for joining. Do the same for all the supports of the tabernacle. Make the supports for the tabernacle as follows. 20 supports for the south side and make 40 silver bases under the 20 supports. 20 bases on the, under the first support for its two tenons and two bases under the next support for its two tenons. 20 supports for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, along with their 40 silver bases, two bases under the first support, and two bases under each support. And make six supports for the west side of the tabernacle. Make two additional supports for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They are to be paired at the bottom and joined together at the top in a single ring. So it should be for both of them. They will serve as the two corners. There are to be eight supports with their silver bases, 16 bases, two bases under the first support, and two bases under each support. You are to make five crossbars of acacia wood for the supports on one side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the supports on the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for the supports of the back side of the tabernacle on the west. The central crossbar is to run through the middle of the supports from one end to the other, then overlay the supports with gold and make their rings of gold as the holders for the crossbars. Also, overlay the crossbars with gold. You are to set up the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you have been shown on the mountain. You are to make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely spun linen with a design of cherubim worked into it. Hang it on four gold-plated pillars of acacia wood that have gold hooks, and that stand on four silver bases. Hang the curtain under the clasps and bring the Ark of the Testimony there behind the curtain so the curtain will make a separation for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. Put the table on the north side. For the entrance to the tent, you are to make a screen embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely spun linen. Make five pillars of acacia wood for the screen and overlay them with gold. Their hooks are to be of gold, and you are to cast five bronze bases for them. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 
My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who love live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked and whose ways are devious. It will rescue you from a forbidden woman, from a wayward woman with her flattering talk, who abandons the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her ways to the land of the departed spirits. None return who go to her. None reach the paths of life, so follow the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those of integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous ripped out of it. John chapter 5 verse 1. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. In Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, and so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, Pick up your mat and walk? They asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Do not sin any more, so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so the son also gives life to whom he wants. The father, in fact, judges no one, but has given judgment to the son, so that all people may honor the son, just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. 
Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. Truly I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself, and he has granted him the right to pass judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because this time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies about me, and I know that the testimony he gives about me is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. I don't receive human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. John was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a greater testimony than John's because of the works that the Father has given me to accomplish. These very works I am doing testify about me that the Father has sent me. The Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You've not heard his voice at any time, and you haven't seen his form. You don't have his word residing in you because you don't believe the one he sent. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. But you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. I do not accept glory from people, but I know you, that you have no love for God from within you. I have come in my Father's name, and yet you don't accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but don't seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But if you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe my words? Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you in peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you, you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we've said before, I now say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source. I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. 
I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him fifteen days, but I didn't see any of the other apostles except James the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I'm not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Amen. And let that be our testimony, brothers and sisters, that other people would glorify God because of our lives and the grace of God in it. May the Lord bless you. May he preserve your life and keep you safe. Godspeed.